Thanks, Mike. Friends, I have a problem. It's not the fact that on a day where we're celebrating in this country, we have one of the grimmest passages in front of us that you can imagine. I've got a problem, and so do you. In fact, I would go as far as to say our whole culture has a problem. My problem is that I hate to wait. I was on a conference a few months ago and coming out of a session I started chatting to a friend and they went off to the loo and I went off to get a coffee. I couldn't wait for them to get back so I sat down with some other people and I quickly realised that I was in the wrong conversation. Uh, you've had that feeling I'm sure, by which time my friend had returned and I went and sat down with them and carried on the conversation we were having. Friends, I can't even wait for someone to go to the loo. Which is ironic because a couple of years ago God put it on my heart to do some thinking about, guess what, waiting. I've been reading, studying and writing about waiting for the last couple of years. And it turns out that when God wants you to study something, he wants you to learn it, and he's going to teach you. Uh, and I would say that I think that might account, at least in part, for the season we find ourselves in as a church. We are waiting, waiting for kickoff in 10 minutes, waiting for a youth, children and families coordinator, waiting for an associate vicar, waiting for an office administrator, waiting for a church warden and a new front door and the refurbishment of our youth room and our lounge and I could go on and on and I do go on and on because I'm so frustrated at waiting. I hate to wait. And I think many of you share my problem. Because our culture is doing its level best to get rid of waiting altogether. When Barclay Card created the first little credit card back in the 1960s, some of you were very excited, I can see, the slogan they used were, take the waiting out of wanting. That could just be our mission statement for our whole culture in 2023, couldn't it? You binge watch TV series rather than wait for the next episode next week. You order things online and next day delivery is so important. So I've got a lot of empathy for the people of Israel stuck at the bottom of Mount Sinai waiting for Moses to reappear. If you've got that in front of you it will help me, it will certainly help you. Page 90 in your Bibles. Uh, he's, Moses has been up, up that mountain for 40 days. That's nearly seven weeks, with no indication of when he's coming back. Now, 40 days ago, it was the 4th of July. So I just want to picture yourself sitting where you're sitting now, whether that's here in the building or at home, wherever. You've sat there since the 4th of July. How are you feeling? Not great, probably. Moses did, as Mike very helpfully told us, Moses instructed the elders of the people, Exodus 24, verse 14, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in the dispute can go back to them. So he's been really clear that he's coming back, and they need to wait for him. But if we look at our passage now, verse 1, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, 
They gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. The people's impatience becomes sin. Without Moses to lead them, they resort to idolatry. Forget that God. We don't even know where his guy's gone. Make us our own gods. We need our gods here and now. I want to see them. Now, for those of you who are impatient to know where this talk is going, we're going to think about... We've started with waiting, which is where we're going to finish. We're now moving towards weak leadership and the cost of sin. And so we're going to do that and circle back to impatience and waiting. So let's think about weak leadership. Faced with the people asking for new gods, Moses' brother Aaron might well ask WWMD, what would Moses do? We know what Moses would do because you see him do it many other times over this story. Moses, what Moses would do is send the people away with a big flea in their ear and go up that mountain again and pray to God to forgive them. Is that what Aaron does? No, it is not what Aaron does. Not a trick question. You are allowed to respond. What Aaron does is to get everyone to take off their earrings. And at this point, you might well reflect, well, were they all wearing earrings? How does that work? But yes, apparently there are a lot of earrings, enough earrings to melt down and make an idol in the shape of a calf. Why a calf? Well, who knows? Uh, Bulls were important at the time. Uh, various theories about that. Then he builds an altar and announces a festival to the Lord. Verse 5. Why is he announcing a festival to the Lord? Well, he wants to have his feet in both camps, doesn't he? Well, I'm making this to show people they've got a God. And oh, by the way, that God is the Lord. After all, it really is. You know, I promise. haven't done anything wrong. So Aaron does not lead the people. He is led by them. This, to make no mistake, this is not democracy in action in some uh, 4,000 years ago kind of a way. This is Moses being led by his people. Aaron being led by his people, sorry. He pays lip service to the Lord by saying they are still worshipping him, but together they are disowning God and doing just what they like. That is the definition of sin. Turning your back on God doing just what you like. It is what you and I do every day of our life. You have done it multiple times today already. Now, before you judge Aaron, I mean, you could be, we could be kind to him and think, well, he's, he's been shoved into this position. He wasn't planning to be a leader. He's not been doing this for very long. He's only been with Moses for a few weeks, potentially, or a few months since the plagues in Egypt. Think about your own leadership before you judge Aaron. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not a leader. I don't run an organization or line manage anybody. You certainly do exercise leadership in your life in one way or another. When you make a decision about something to buy for your home or anything, that's leadership. If you live with other people, you exercise leadership in the way you navigate decision-making at home. If you live on your own, you exercise leadership in the way you navigate decision-making in your home. 
If you work, paid or unpaid, you make decisions as part of your work and you're exercising leadership. If you're a carer, you exercise leadership in the care you provide. So I wonder then whether you can think of times in your own leadership context where you've either avoided making a difficult decision or just gone with an unwise suggestion from somebody else. Just take a moment to remember and own a bad decision that you've made just like Aaron and think about what happened as a result. Uncomfortable, isn't it? We don't like remembering those little moments. Verse 21, Moses confronts Aaron. What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Now, what's Aaron going to do? Will he immediately take responsibility for his actions and acknowledge his mistake? What did you do in that situation we've just thought about when you were faced with the consequences of something similar? Unbelievably, no, Aaron does not immediately take responsibility. Pretty natural, isn't it? End of verse 22. You know how prone these people are to evil. It's their fault. Look at them. Don't look at me. Look at them. They're awful, these people you left me. You left me with them, but, and that's your fault, actually. You know how prone these people are to evil. He didn't even make the idol. Uh, remarkable words for a sculptor to say, end of verse 24. Then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Is this the lamest excuse in the Bible? Is this the lamest excuse in all of history? I've heard some pretty lame excuses in my time and this is properly lame. The commentators agree on that point. What on earth is Aaron thinking? My goodness. You can imagine Moses with his head in his hands at this point. Can you remember a time when you've given just a really lousy excuse? Even as it's come out of your mouth, you've thought, no one's buying this. Or has anyone ever given you a really woeful excuse? I bet they have. Well, let's go on to think about the cost of sin. We've thought a bit about weak leadership. The cost of sin for the Israelite people. Verse 7, look down with me. Moses is up the mountain. The Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. This is no longer God's people. Do you notice? God says these are Moses' people. He is disowning them. Verse 9, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Stiff neck, they would all have known what that meant because if you're pulling, if you're being pulled by a donkey or you're trying to get a donkey or an ox to move and they've got a stiff neck, they ain't moving. Um, so there are stiff necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Friends, this is God's plan A and it is shocking. The people's sin is so serious that he is going to destroy all of them and start again with Moses. He will keep his promise of God's people in God's presence under God's rule 
but with a whole new people. Forget these, these people. They've forgotten me. They've ignored me. Forget them. I'm going to start again. So Moses intercedes. Just like this is a reminder of kind of Abraham interceding about Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, end of verse 12. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. And then verse 14. God does relent and does not destroy the people. And right there, friends, is the reason why God's people pray. When you pray, you get closer to God's heart, and sometimes God will find a plan B rather than the plan A that he was going to do, just like he did with Moses. The Bible is really clear that God responds to the prayers of his faithful people. Now, in this case, God's plan B is not the destruction of the people, but it is not pretty either. And as we get into this story, and as next year we're going to start getting into the story of the conquest of the promised land, these are not pretty stories, and we do well not to shy away from them, but to look them in the face. Moses gets the Levites together, verse 27, and he says to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. So the wild party ends in a massacre. 3,000 people slaughtered violently. The people's sin has consequences. Blood is shed. And then verse 35, there's a plague, but we don't really know what that looks like. We're never told who died or whether uh, it was serious. A plague. Friends, your sin and mine are just as serious. Your sin and mine are just as serious. When you put something else in the place of God in your life, it is idolatry. Your sin has consequences. Blood needs to be shed. But the good news for you and me in 2023 is that that blood is Jesus' blood. And it has been shed. There won't be a massacre because of what you've done. Because God's son has paid the price for you. But if you just imagine this building piled high with 3,000 dead bodies, your sin is no different in how much it costs. The solution for your sin is the cross of Christ. That is the big picture. But let's be realistic, if you're as impatient as I am, as the Israelites were, as most people in our culture are, what's the solution here and now? Uh, what am I going to do? How can you lead yourself and others faithfully under God with integrity and purpose? And the answer in this passage is right there on the mountain. It's back up the mountain. Moses is close to God. He prioritizes his time with God. He listens to God. He does what God says, even when it is costly. 
Can you imagine giving the order for those men in front of you to kill thousands of their people indiscriminately? That, my friends, is costly leadership. You know, leaders love to be popular. You're not making yourself very popular when you order the destruction of 3,000 people. It is ruthless. It is dealing with sin ruthlessly, knowing that the alternative is far worse. Moses also knew that God was God and Moses wasn't. When faithful leaders who stay close to God are faced with sin, faced with anyone's sin, their own or somebody else's, their first reaction is to face up to their sin and repent. Just think of King David. When the prophet Nathan confronts him about his adultery and murder, terrible things to have done, he repents immediately. And the difference between that and Aaron here. So be humble and talk to God about the things you've done wrong. Where there are things you need to put right, don't just talk to God, go and talk to that other person. Be real about the sin in your life. Face up to it, talk to God and face the consequences. Your sin has consequences. So to end where we started, you've waited a long time for the end of this talk. I hate to wait. But the more I look at the Bible, the more waiting I see. God wants you to ask him for what you need and he wants you to wait for him. As I was preparing this sermon, a church member contacted me to say that their grandson had become a Christian. Well, praise the Lord. I was delighted when I saw that news. That person has prayed and waited for many years and that has been a hard journey. Many of us are in the same boat when it comes to members of your family. You are praying, praying hard, waiting, and years have passed. Friends, ask God for something and then wait for him. Don't let impatience get the better of you. Resist the temptation to take the easy, convenient way when it is not God's way. Let God lead you as you lead yourself and others. I hate to wait. You hate to wait. But God's meaning is in the waiting. Let's pray. We're going to spend a few minutes just waiting on God. We trust that in these times, the Holy Spirit speaks into our hearts. If there's something that is just particularly weighing on you, talk to God about it. But then wait and listen.